By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Today's movie is Enola Holmes, which is a 2020 mystery film that came out on Netflix. It was originally a Warner Brothers movie, but because of the pandemic, they um, moved it over to Netflix for streaming release instead, um, which is a little bit of a shame. I think that some of the action sequences would have been fun on the big screen, but it's certainly a film that works perfectly fine on the small screen. Um, it's just delightful. It is uh, based on a young adult book. Well, the first in a young adult series. And so they're definitely going to make a sequel um, by Nancy Springer um, called Enola Holmes, who is an, um, the imagined younger sister of uh, Sherlock Holmes, which is not to say that Sherlock Holmes isn't also imagined, but more to say that Enola is not a figure in the original uh, Sherlock Holmes books. Um, the, the film also has... Uh, Sherlock's brother, played by Sam Claflin, who um, is a character in the book. So we get into that and sort of the history of Sherlock Holmes and the way that this movie fits into um, the original storytelling, as well as the way in which that story has been adapted over the years, which actually weirdly caused some interesting controversy. There was a lawsuit around this movie about the depiction of Sherlock Holmes and all the sort of like rules of when you're dealing with classic characters how uh, much license do you have to make them into something else, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, so Sherlock here, I guess I didn't mention, is played by Henry Cavill. Um, and uh, we have Brie Garcia on this call, and it's always fun to have Brie Garcia when you're dealing with someone like a Henry Cavill. Um, we also have Sia Floyd, Steve Vargo, and myself. That's Kelly Bedard, in case I always forget to tell you my name. I figure you know it. I don't know. Um... This movie's awesome. It's it's sweet and lovely. Millie Bobby Brown from uh, Stranger Things is fantastic in the lead role. Um, it also has Francis de la Tour and Helena Bonham Carter. And Helena Bonham Carter is so delightful in a small role in this film. And um, yeah, I just it's a nice a nice simple watch. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, so I loved this movie. Discuss. <laughs> Um, I, so I was a skeptic of this movie. I saw it for the first time over the summer because I think I'm always wary of when we take established media and I'm like, but what if we put a girl and like, she's not sure it's not a female Sherlock Holmes. It's 
sister Sherlock Holmes. So it worked better than I did, but I'm always kind of just very wary because sometimes I think certain adaptations that do that are just like a lazy way of representation, but I thought it was a fun character. Um, as a movie, this felt a lot more like a two hour pilot of a show. Like I felt like it didn't resolve the central question that was the hook, um, which I found a little frustrating, but I, it was fun. It was really cute. I enjoyed most of it. I, um, I, I thought it was very fun, especially the first like third of it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And then I thought it was getting a little off track, like many times and going onto different tracks and deciding which way it was going to go. And I didn't know which way it was going to go at that point. And I was like, okay, where, what's the focus now? And then, you know, it did resolve itself. I felt. Um, and I really, I really just enjoyed it as a, like a female centric film as well. Um, uh, and sort of a Sherlock, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a Sherlock story, even though it was all around Sherlock. Like it didn't feel like there was a lot of the uh, investigation, investigation the whole time, but there was, you know, it's here and there. Or it's too basic. I don't know what it is. It wasn't as short as a Sherlock story. That's what it was. That's what I feel like. I thought it was, that was very cute. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I watched this movie for one Henry Cavill. Uh, <laughs> I didn't completely skip only to his scenes. I skipped them through and then went back and actually watched the movie because I was there for one reason and one reason only was to see this man in a waistcoat. Um, but yeah, it was like, I thought all the actors did really well. Like, um, Millie Bobby Brown was adorable. Um, Sam Claflin as like evil was weird. Um, again, Henry Cavill was attractive, which I don't know if he acted well or if I just thought he was attractive. And Helen Bonham Carter, I always love her, but it was really interesting. Like I really like to see her um, in like in spurts because like if you have her too much in some roles, it's way too much. Um, but there is truly the one scene I loved when um, Sherlock Holmes is complaining is they're at the tea shop or something. And he's talking about how, like, oh, politics bores me. And the woman's like, well, of course it bores you because you, like, it doesn't affect you. And so you can keep your head in the sand. And I was like, if I could print that scene out <laughs> and bitch slap people with it, I would. And also Henry Cavill was very attractive in it. So I'd then hang it up. But <laughs> that's my thoughts. All right. Um I agree with Saya that it did feel like a pilot, but I kind of think that all movies feel like pilots these days because they're all set up to try and maximize how many movies can we get out of this potential franchise. Um, but it did definitely have that feeling of like, and there will be further adventures. She literally uh -huh. says like, you're not rid of me yet or something like that. Um, but, and Yes, that is definitely a flaw in terms of assessing the film, but it's a flaw that I've kind of learned to live with because it applies to basically all movies at this point. And so I've, I've stopped letting it bother me most of the time, unless it's super glaring and like doesn't fully doesn't function as a film on its own, like um, Infinity War, for example. Um, but I think that this one does function as a film. Um, I also agree with Steve that I think that uh, it didn't, didn't really feel Sherlock-y. Um, 
I do think it's really petty and silly that the estate of Arthur Conan Doyle is suing them because they gave Sherlock <laughs> feelings. I think that's very silly. Um, and perpetuates some like toxic masculine nonsense because this film was so delightfully non-toxic, um, which I really appreciated. Um, that said, I, I think that the like whole Holmes element was unnecessary to the story. It just kind of feels like a hook to help sell the movie. And it's based on a book series. So like a hook to sell the book series. Um, but I think this could have been a totally original character and that would have been perfectly fine. Uh, though I do like the idea of the shadow, like getting out from under the shadow of a sibling. Um, but yeah. And then I also agree with Bree that uh, Henry Cavill was indeed very attractive. <laughs> I find him very boring. Um, he is very might, boring. It might not be fair because I, you know, he built a computer this uh, year. <laughs> Maybe he's a really interesting man. He just never strikes me as interesting on the screen, which is his job. But he does have very interesting jawline and very interesting the way his hair curls and falls over his face. Um, so that's nice. I also really like Sam Claflin. I think that him playing a Pratt is actually kind of Sam Claflin-y. Like he, I think he takes a lot of or like occasional roles like that that require him taking the piss out of himself, which I enjoy. He doesn't take himself as seriously as most men with his face would, which I appreciate. And I thought Millie Bobby Brown was fantastic. I don't watch Stranger Things, um, but she struck me as someone who has it, whatever it may be. It was cute and I liked it. And it made me happy because I liked it. To comment on uh, Henry Cavill. No, (laughs) No, no, I only, it's interesting you say how incredibly boring he is because he is. Like he is a very attractive man who you see him on screen to be very boring. I mean, to be like attractive and not really acting. I'm sorry if anyone here loves his acting ability. God bless you. Um, but like, I really loved him in The Witcher because they understood what his role was in The Witcher. He was, and I don't even think this might be accurate to the character. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But he was quiet, he grunted, and he was hot. And I love that. <laughs> so like to have him in short spurts in this movie, um, because again, I watched it just for him and then went back and watched the movie. Um, and he's only in it maybe 15 20 minutes but like every once in a while he'll show up and he's like a breath of fresh air and he's very attractive but also um as you mentioned kelly just the idea of like sherlock holmes as being a nice person you have it like brought some like life into kind of what a lot of times he plays as a very stilted character like i think of him as superman and i have mixed i have so many feelings on that movie and none of them are positive um (laughs) but it's just, it was such like a pleasant version of Sherlock Holmes, which especially after like the 2000, oh God, the one with Benedict Cumberbatch, um, where he was such an asshole. And then the one like in elementary where he was like less of an asshole to like actually be like a nice person who like kind of starts to understand his teenage sister was like truly refreshing. And now I'll stop talking about it. Oh like- boy. Oh, sorry. No. I'm done. Um, I know Saya has Sherlock feelings. <laughs> well, no, I, I agree. Like going back, I think Johnny Lee Miller in Elementary, that is pretty true to canon that like he does have moments of softness, but he's not like cuddly. Mm-hmm. Um, my quibble with this movie, I think is actually Mycroft because in the stories, he is just a smart Sherlock. Like there's, they're like brought, like one of them's like kind of the like, you know, degenerates, like 
drug user who's like a detective and kind of, you know, rub shoulders with all sorts. And one of them's like the government worker, but they're both equally smart. So I think by, like, I enjoyed Sam Claflin's performance a lot, but I think by dumbing him down so much, I'm like, I feel like that does almost a disservice to Enola because I think it's more interesting if she has one brother who like kind of starts to come around and support her and see her as special and like a detective in her own right versus a brother who doesn't like a brother who wants her in a strict role but but having the one who is her antagonist be so dumb I'm like but we've seen how smart and clever she is like I feel like that's a much more interesting foil and maybe that would be adding too many layers to the story because there's already so many threads that it's trying to weave but I think that's more interesting and would kind of bring out Enola's specialness even more. I can see yeah. that working with uh, Kaufman's character um, if he was a little bit smarter in the, um, like it's it's him being like the old order of what's going on in London and um, sort of the indifference that um, Sherlock Holmes is and then Enola is kind of getting into it and leaning towards the, you know, the actual movement. So like you have those three literal like uh, sides of the of the pyramid <laughs> triangle that's <laughs> trying <laughs> i accepted it mostly because i i a pet peeve of mine is when there's like a character who's just kind of a villain to be a villain because they need a villain in order to move the plot um or not a villain but he was the antagonist and so like i think that giving him the idea of like being almost jealous of his siblings and especially if their mom was the same way that idea of like the one who just doesn't quite fit in on a merit basis so it's not just that he's like different than everybody else which would normally be your heroine because like postmodernist outsider theory but like the idea of the the antagonist being someone who just can't quite keep up and has been therefore made to feel lesser that i will accept as a motivation if you are going to have a sort of simplistic villain who has to be kind of just mean for no reason. Um, that said, I come from a place of like, I don't know anything about Sherlock Holmes. Like I've seen a bunch of, you know, I've seen a little bit of Benedict Cumberbatch, a little bit of Johnny Lee Miller, a little bit of the Robert Downey Jr. Um, I've seen a play version of The Hound of Baskervilles, but I like don't know. I actually had to Google. I didn't know that Mycroft was a person who existed in the canon. And then I had to Google, is their mom someone who exists in the canon? Is Enola? And like, how much of this is based on what is this? What is this? Um, so I'm interested in, have any of you read the books? I, I have. I've read um, two full series of Sherlock Holmes. Because okay, there's, so like, there's like 12 books or something there. Twelve books How with much like of this sort of supporting cast of Holmeses is in is real. Just Mycroft. Um, Mycroft is hardly in them. Well, he's probably in the later series, which I haven't read yet. So I've I've sort of been reading them in order of like how, like when they were written, um, and he's not really there a lot. He's in the odd little scene of one short story now and then you don't really get a lot of him um but it's mostly Sherlock and you it's actually mostly Watson um in most of the what most of the books and uh Sherlock just kind of coming in near the end putting everything together that sort of thing um uh, I did find that kind of funny the like yeah. I've never I don't have an assistant and I'm like but don't you <laughs> yeah. famously have an assistant I don't know maybe he's not well, an assistant. he's, he's, he's like a he's, black pick. 
he's a doctor that helped like Watson's a doctor not really a detective so um he but he's helping with a lot of his things especially in the Hound of Baskervilles he ends up actually being his assistant in the Hound of the Baskervilles which is a like a full novel or you know kind of midway between a novella and a novel so then Saya what's your major touch point the Benedict Cumberbatch um, I did read, and I shook my head for, did you read the books? I thought you were talking about the Enola Holmes books. I've read, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, no, I haven't read those. Um, yeah, I did read, I don't think I read all the short stories, but I definitely like at the height of BBC, I was like watching the BBC series. Cause it was like a couple of years where we had like the Robert Downey Jr. and the BBC version coming out with a couple of years of each other. And at the same time I was reading the short stories. So they kind of all blended. So Copyright. I think right. 2012 when I was like in my big Sherlock Holmes phase which is about when Elementary came out but I yeah. only watched like the first season of that yeah it was a definitely one of those like Hollywood green lights everything at the same time phenomenon yeah um well, you know it comes out of copyright right right apparently there's still a little bit that's in copyright though because there's this lawsuit <laughs> yeah that's what so the apparently some later the there is apparently some Sherlock character development where he has emotion and that happens later in publication which is not in copyright and that's what they were suing about is that they took the emotion part from the non-copyright part of Sherlock but it's like it's still a copy like they're in public domain it's a public domain character now you could do whatever you want with it that's what I think it's also like you're taking him from the context of he how he's presenting himself to Watson who is like another adult man who's at first his like roommate and like it takes a while I think to build the rapport and trust versus how he's reacting with his like 17 year old sister I'm like of course there's a different like that's just what happens when you do adaptations people act differently with different people yeah and I would not call him cuddly like (laughs) they gave him one scene where he showed some affection to his little sister like that's not (laughs) that crazy I don't think and also men stop being so afraid of emotions they're not that scary relax and and see men always confuse what emotions are men think emotions are crying yeah they don't don't, think anger is an emotion yeah they don't think anger is or like frustration or being like putting a wall up is I'm an emotion like it's men are just as emotional as women yeah all emotional I was thinking about this a lot this week because I was listening to some to a new podcast about horror movies and I don't really get the appeal of horror movies because I don't like being made to feel scared and then I also don't feel scared easily and then so the they always seem silly to me but I understand the motivation of like it wanting to it, it to elicit an emotion from you and so watching something so that you have that visceral feeling but it sort of, to me, strikes me as something that's for people who, like, I watch things that make me cry all the time. There's this new PetSmart commercial, guys. <laughs> it's a ride of emotion. <laughs> but I think there is something, like, for people who, for whatever reason, societally impose toxic masculine nonsense, um, don't, or shy, or shy away from things that evoke, like, sadness emotions or whatever crying big big sort of feeling emotions um they sort of seek out that emotion trigger that comes from being scared because one has to find a release somewhere anyway this is my new ineloquently uh (laughs) examined theory um 
Bree, have you read the books? Uh, I own them all. They're at my desk, locked away where I can't get to them because they're one of our books. But no, like my dad was a huge Sherlock fan person. Um, so like I kind of got it through osmosis, but mostly it was the Robert Downey Jr. movies, um, which I know the second is not good, but like it's my favorite because seeing more, not more, is it Moriarty? Uh, yes, Moriarty um, and him play off against each other is always great, which is granted this was a Nola story, but like anytime you can see Moriarty kind of play into it, that's the version I like. But then kind of like what Saya said, BBC Sherlock, Elementary, they all came out. It was like too much Sherlock all the time. And it was great, but that's basically the extent of my knowledge. And the Wikipedia where like, if you look at who was playing who, the only people who are like highlighted in blue, <laughs> like Enola is not highlighted, but Sherlock, Mycroft and Lestrade is who I remember from uh, the elementary series. I don't know why, but yeah, Who's not much Sherlock. He's a white dude. Well, they're all white dudes. I know, but like I can see him in my head, but I can't, I don't know the actor. I just know what he looks like and he has hair and he's, a, he's tall. He's the what? police detective, like the Scotland Yard detective. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Got it. Thank he was not you. white. He was not white in this movie. <laughs> No, he was not. He wasn't white. <laughs> but in elementary, he was white and he had hair. Um, <laughs> he had hair in this one too. He did. <laughs> Most of the time, the people have the hair. Um, I actually meant uh, Brie. I actually meant the Enola Holmes books because oh. you're a resident young adult person. It's actually funny because I didn't realize they were, they were our books. Um, but no, I've not read them. But I got an email talking about like, oh you know the now that netflix movies are out uh netflix movie is out like people are buying enola homes and i'm like oh i didn't know that was us then i proceeded along my day but no like they're cute they're I, if i remember correctly they're like ya but like like young ya high middle grade so like mm. um it was definitely interesting because in knowing that and then like looking at the movie the kind of like direct to camera conversations where it was very and this is this is going to seem mean, but it's not what I mean for it. But like kind of in like Dora the Explorer, where it kind of like brings you, the audience, in um, <laughs> how like Anola will like kind of like look to the camera and be like, well, now what do we do or something like that? It kind of was a little more reminiscent to like um, more of a high like middle grade title. But again, I haven't read them. But well, that's interesting. I it did make me assume that the books are written in first person, but a lot of YA books are written first person. But like. Um, it's actually directed by the guy who did the most of the episodes of Fleabag. Um, yeah. so that sort of made me wonder, okay, was this movie pitched or in the written into the screenplay, these direct addresses? And so they went, Hey, let's get the Fleabag guy. Or did they hire the Fleabag guy? And he was like, you know what I do? Well, <laughs> let's do direct. <laughs> it might've been a bit of both, but I guess one of us is going to have to take the plunge and read it. Um, or I, not. I, we could just I, talk about the movie and then hang up the meeting and assume no one will listen at time. I I think it was done uh, very very well. Like it wasn't overdone. I thought they used their moments very well when they did the fourth fourth wall thing, um, or fly on the wall, whatever it is called in film. <laughs> um, I would assume it's called fourth wall. Yeah. 
Just the opening where she's like, I'm here to meet you. And they're like, well, where's the carriage? And she's like, I did not think that far. I was like, oh, wow, I feel that sometimes. It's like, I got to step A, but I didn't know I was supposed to get to step Z. So I guess we're screwed. And Mycroft said he paid for them. And I'm like, okay, where did that money go? She, I don't know. I hope she <laughs> took it and invested it and stole it. I think he wants the explosives, probably. Good. As a woman That's should. My next question. I spent a lot of it thinking that like the bombs were going to be a like misunderstanding and that the, mm. the mom wasn't really planning on doing that because that seems dark for like a thing that's <laughs> targeted at 12 year old girls. No, yes, dark. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on that wavelength as well. Like it's just a misunderstanding or maybe, maybe it's for something else or... Um, but like it looked like that she was involved. She knew that there was these explosives involved, and yeah. I mean, it could have been like they're gonna blow up an empty station or something like that, as like the sort of, you know, softened version of bombing things. <laughs> um, I, I was surprised. Like I thought the mother's suffragette activities would somehow tie to the Tewksbury like vote. I thought they would come to a head, and so I was a little surprised they didn't. I don't know how I thought they were going to come to a head, but they just seemed like these two big threads. Um, didn't didn't they come to I mean, near the end? Like, because it was were... all about the vote, and um, I guess she didn't think that they would get the vote or whatever. So, or like her and her group. Um, so, so they needed to they needed a movement. They needed to do uh, they needed to do something to make, have attention or whatever. But Enola Holmes solved all that by keeping her man alive the boy alive but then that feels very anticlimactic that like well, that it's like she's still in hiding so i don't know i i thought it was like a step in their movement but i don't think was that the right for women to vote or was that like another i thought it was like a vote i don't know i think it was just the, the women's movement in general um yeah and that's what the whole scene was with her and her mother near the end where they hug because i feel like she was happy that enola fixed the like she, she ended up fixing their problem in a way that I so they didn't have to use their explosives or a problem, like that. but um, like not yes a yeah sorry yes a problem the problem of the story of the, the the plot of the movie I mean which was that boat which ended up being about that boat have to go save her man <laughs> I needed that laugh thank you. <laughs> Even like if that. it's hundred percent accurate, <laughs> I did like that the romance. Like they saved each other, and that there was clearly like a healthy degree of respect. I feel like a lot of YA tendencies are like, let's have a love triangle, and this wasn't about that. It was like two people who were thrown together and respected each other, and then he definitely had feelings. She probably has feelings, but is in denial. So I, I thought that was like a well-built uh, romance or possible romance. Yeah, I thought it was cute. I liked that they didn't go full tilt. Like, I don't think they kissed in the movie, which was kind of fine, I thought. Um, it Because it left it a little bit ambiguous. Um, but it was very sweet. And I really liked that he he was so game to for her to, like, go off and do her own adventure and not come live with him in his palace. <laughs> <laughs> um 
I, I don't know. I just think that like, it was almost like a nice little bittersweet moment at the end where he, he asked her to come stay, but also you could tell he was kind of rooting for her not to, because if she said yes, she wouldn't be the woman that he was so entranced by in the first place. Um, it was cute. He was pretty generic, but I thought he, it was cute and sweet and I liked it. <laughs> I don't know. I like a little romance <laughs> in my YA stories. I am here for the Hunger Games love triangle. I think it's very interesting. <laughs> I will say though, just in terms of like when you said, did they kiss or not? One of the most romantic scenes for me in completely, completely go left field, Pacific Rim, at the end of it, they like nod to they, they lean each other like on each other's foreheads and like embrace and that's it like you could read it any way you want to you're probably going to read it the way they anticipate but like I just feel like so many more movies like we know what they like we know they're in love or we know that's where it's going to go like you don't have to show us the, the the epic makeout scene like let let our minds go and be happy or something yeah especially now in covid yeah well and also because the the sort of climactic kiss is so cliche at this point um like there's like a standard technique there's a standard camera thing there's like there's a timing sort of tradition to it it's you can chart out the beats like in a hallmark movie the kiss is always the last shot of the movie it just feels a little trite at this point and also my very practical real world brain always is like you're so in public right now like don't you know that you're in public right now so I, I'm also okay living in the kissless world especially for a period piece yeah like remember That's Pirates it. of the Caribbean that kiss the marriage kiss right on the boat while it's all right in the middle of the war I don't yeah. remember that but I was in the lot too in the middle of a battle or something they, they, like, in the middle of a battle they, they, get, like, they get married yeah they get Actually, married in the middle of a what? Ship. They get married in the well, middle of a ship though. battle, and Barbosa is Barbosa is like uh, being the you know because he's the captain, so he's marrying them while fighting. This does people. not be in the first one. Is this, is this in the third? Movie? Oh yeah, that's not a movie I've seen. That would be why. Um, but it's funny because the first yeah. one. Now that you say that it ends on an epic kiss, it granted ends with um um. Jack Sparrow closing the compass, oh, but right. like before that, it is the epic sweep of the kiss. Yeah, um, that's which... very standard. Yeah. The, the other, the other kiss I thought about was was Wally, which was it wasn't but a kiss. Cute. It was it was the head to head thing that you were talking about. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. And, and the robots, they couldn't all these all these movie kisses, which I love. I mean, my, one of my maybe my favorite movie ending of all time is Bridget Jones. Um, where they're kissing in the snow and then he wraps her in the coat and he, and she says, nice boys, don't kiss like that. And he says, yes, we fucking do. I love it so much. But they're in the middle of the street and it is snowing and she's not wearing pants and there are people <laughs> everywhere and also they might get hit by a car. Well, when you're so in love, you don't think of those things. And then when you get hit by that car, you're like, well, fuck, why did I... Yeah, not put on pants. And now, this is are any of these issues that bother me when I'm watching Bridget Jones? No, <laughs> not even a little bit. But in defending the decision to not have the couple kiss randomly in public for no reason, like I'm fine with that. I'm like a zero PDA or so. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts? 
Uh, I will end where we started with Henry Cavill, and then I think he was too hot to be Sherlock. Honestly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. there's a take. Yeah. I actually okay. totally agree. So, so speak <laughs> to me about this because I, I again, the main things I've seen from Sherlock um, were like Robert Downey Jr. Um, is he not? He's supposed to be like brainy and not handsome. He's always handsome, though. Mention if he's handsome explicitly, um, but like he's supposed to be able to blend in. Like he goes in disguise a lot. Like I was just listening to the Henry Cavill talk, and like your voice is just so distinct, and it just commands attention. Yeah, like, and, like Benedict Cumberbatch like, doesn't have a distinct voice. I mean, he does. <laughs> he's but... got like, a very famous voice. But, but I feel the like face... it... yeah, yeah. But I feel like we probably saw Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch and Sherlock going into like disguises and stuff. So like it was believable. But like when I see Henry Cavill, like I'm like, you're like, I know you're British, but you're, you're not, you're a farm boy from, you know, Kansas, you're Superman. Like he just looks, he just looks so like he's tall. He's very in very good shape. So like, I'm like, I can't see you like hunched that, over like pretending yes that i will grant you the shape thing also because sherlock's on a lot of drugs right so like and he doesn't eat and there's all that kind of stuff so like i he would not it's not even his face because yes his face is the sort of thing where like he would stand out too what a couple things he would stand out too much to ever be in disguise two people with faces like that don't need to be extra amazing detectives they can just like relax and three, but mostly the body is the thing, right? Because he's supposed to be like, yeah, hunched over papers and studying and never eating. And like, when does this guy go to the gym? So, yeah. And he does like fencing or like boxing, but like- That's not a like... fencing body. That no, is a lifting body. Yeah. If they also... swapped that, maybe if they'd swapped the actors, because Sam Claflin, that's like a fencing body. <laughs> he's like all lanky and stuff. Yeah, this this Sherlock had a regular sleep schedule, and that's just not, that's not accurate. He was, like, I I mean, like, granted, the reason I watched it was for him, but, like, he was far too attractive, especially knowing that, like, uh, Henry Cavill was too muscular to wear the right clothing in, like, The Witcher. They actually, like, couldn't put him in real leather because his muscles were too big they would have like ruined the leather and like yeah like as you said this is not the Sherlock Holmes because like even Robert Downey Jr. who is attractive um and even Johnny Lee Miller who did you say he's tall he's small oh I'm gonna be like because he is not tall um (laughs) and like like like, even if you find them attractive in those roles you can tell there's like something like they haven't slept in a while or like you can imagine them like punched over a paper doing drugs or maybe they do drugs and I think they actually do but yeah Henry Cavill you just like he walked off a magazine cover and he's like I can read books too and you're like yes you can boy I, I yes, would not can. be surprised to find that he did he took this part on purpose though right because I hope so someone who can build a computer but looks like he doesn't need to and so everyone assumes <laughs> that he doesn't and so I could see him being like t- literally telling his agent I want to play someone smart <laughs> I feel like in 10 years, he's going to be like a James Marsden, where if you look at James Marsden, like James Marsden is a character actor with leading man face. I feel like Henry Cavill is trying to get those character roles, but he just has leading man face. And that's not his fault. Uh, I feel like the costume department could have helped him out, but they're like, we have Henry Cavill. We're going to give you Henry Cavill. So like, I feel like it's not his fault. It's okay. I do not think he is. I, I'm sorry, Henry. I don't think he's interesting or talented enough to pull that off because that is the trajectory and struggle 
of Ethan Hawke and Colin Farrell, who are both like exceptional character actors who just have like faces where they get cast in Total Recall. And it's just like, okay. Um, and then, so like there is a, there are people in this world who think Colin Farrell's a bad actor because they've only seen him in dumb blockbusters where he was cast based on his face and they've never seen him take a part that he thinks is genuinely interesting. Um, and he's amazing in those, uh, but it's like he's fighting his face all the time. Um, and I, I think, yeah, there's, I think there's a few people like that. I don't think Henry Cavill, he might want to be that person, but in terms of like, what he is able to communicate through the screen in terms of seeming like maybe he's an interesting guy. He's yet to convince me he's an interesting guy. Which are two it's different. I, there was one scene I really loved with him, which was when he found out that Enola uh, beat him to the punch um, with uh, Le, Le, what's his name? Strahd. The cop or the detective or the. Oh, Lestrade. Lestrade, yeah. Um, uh, where he he leaves and then he has a little chuckle. I had a good laugh out of that, and I don't know why. It was because I think it was just because it wasn't Sherlock and it was him coming out of his shell. He had and emotions. That's, that's what I liked allowed. about. Just him laughing that you know his little sister beat him, like that's it was a cute moment. I'll give him that. Send there. 